Four years, the best podcasters from around the world have gathered to review, reminisce, and riff on popular franchises. They've assembled the Earth's mightiest superheroes, traveled to a galaxy far, far away, drank many martinis, shaken, not stirred, witnessed the battle of the Alpha Titan. Defended Earthrealm from Outworld. Get over here! <laughs> Busted their fair share of ghosts. Unplugged from the Matrix. I know Kung Fu. Kept a watchful eye on Gotham City. <laughs> Discovered the secrets of Jurassic Park and other audio adventures. But there were some movies that didn't make the cut. From the creators of Podcasters Assemble comes a movie hype series hosted by a motley crew of talent. Podcasters Disassemble. Podcasters Assemble is a production of the We Can Make This Work, probably, podcast network. And we're back. On today's mini-episode, we've got the war in Ukraine and other current events, Confederate monuments, terrible tyrants, bad presidents, famous pharaohs, epic winds of history, and more. Welcome to episode 26 and, um, three quarters? I'm Eric Slater. I'm Justin Aki. I'm Chris Carroll. And this is Epic Fails of History. A podcast that delves into the most epic fails of, um, history. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. The only thing we have to fear is fear When the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. Epic fails. The art of living is more like wrestling than dancing, insofar as it stands ready against the accidental and the unforeseen and is not apt to fall. Marcus Aurelius. That's right, folks. Epic Fails of History returns once again after a long absence. For more on all that, check out my last mini-episode, Murphy's Law and Disorder. Justin and I will be breaking down the previous results from the bracket of fails so far and discuss what matches are coming up next, as well as some other podcast updates. But first, I wanted to take a moment to talk about some current events. So a lot's been happening in the world since our last episode. 2022 really has been one of the most historically relevant years, at least that I've been around to witness. Not only have we lived through a global pandemic, we also have the continuing saga of the most scandal-ridden chapter in the American presidency, with former Commander-in-Chief Donald Trump, which includes not one, but two impeachment trials, an attempted insurrection of the Capitol, numerous criminal investigations for the former president, including allegations of rampant tax fraud, evidence of attempted election interference, a rampant misinformation campaign, 
and in recent months, not the least of which is of course his apparent hoarding of top secret classified documents, including sensitive material regarding nuclear weapons. All of which he's been hiding in his basement at Mar-a-Lago Resort in Florida, which of course led to an FBI raid a couple months ago, after he allegedly refused to cooperate with authorities. Meanwhile, over in the UK, Prime Minister Boris Johnson finally resigned, and Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II passed away at 96. Charles III was crowned as the new King of England, their first king in 70 years. On top of all that, though, we've also had the war in Ukraine. Earlier this year, on Thursday, February 24th, 2022, Russian troops invaded the sovereign nation of Ukraine in a blatant act of war, under the direct orders of President Vladimir Putin in an attempt to regain land that they lost when the Soviet Union collapsed decades earlier. The world hadn't seen anything quite like this since Hitler's troops invaded Poland in 1939, which of course led to World War II. For those of us watching these historic events unfold, it was pretty surreal. And not only did it confirm that we were entrenched in another Cold War with Russia, but we had come closer than ever before to the brink of a Third World War, possibly the closest since the Cuban Missile Crisis. NATO, the U.S., and most of the rest of the civilized world came to Ukraine's aid during this devastating and trying time. As everyday citizens were undergoing a desperate evacuation, Russian troops have since committed dozens of atrocities, including shelling innocent civilians with artillery. And while I usually avoid talking about current events on this podcast, I've been a pretty outspoken critic of Mr. Putin's for a while now, but taking Putin's side in this is insane. I mean, this is a former KGB agent. A man who has had so many of his own people assassinated just for criticizing him. Not to mention rigging elections, making the corrupt oligarchs even wealthier, interfering with other nations' elections, cyber warfare, and numerous human rights violations. A couple years back, Alexei Navalny, the former Russian opposition leader, spoke out against Putin, and in response, Putin had him poisoned with a nerve agent that nearly killed him while he was in Berlin. To Navalny's credit, as soon as he was well enough to travel, he actually returned to Russia in 2021 and was immediately arrested under false charges and is still in a maximum security prison to this day. But unlike many of the large-scale grand wars of the past, thanks to the internet and social media, the entire world is watching. And Russia's decision to invade Ukraine has become an absolutely monumental fail for Putin on all fronts. And it's really proven to finally be turning the tide against Putin for the first time as his own people are starting to see through the propaganda and realizing the toll his war is causing their own people by burning bridges abroad. Now, we've stated pretty firmly before that this show is anti-fascist. And I think it goes without saying that we here at Epic Fails of History and the We Can Make This Work Probably podcast network do not condone the actions of dictators or terrorists but I wanted to state that we stand firmly with the people of Ukraine. I wanted to recognize the bravery and leadership of Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky during this unprecedented time in his nation's history. To me, Zelensky is a true hero. He stayed with his people in Ukraine while their cities were being bombed, and they decided to fight back. They've led an incredibly successful counterattack against one of the most powerful militaries on the planet. Demoralized Russian troops have been deserting left and right, and recently, the Ukrainians have actually managed to push Putin's forces into retreat. So yeah, it's been insanely inspiring to see Ukrainians fighting for their freedom, pushing back the forces of tyranny against impossible odds. My heart goes out to all the people of Ukraine, and President Zelensky is without a doubt on the right side of history.
Without further ado, let's get back to the bracket of fails. Welcome back to Epic Fails of History. Uh, with me, as usual, is Justin Aki of Significant Otter Co. Hello, hello. And we're going to be jumping back into our bracket of fails. This is a season-long elimination bracket where the internet decides who's the biggest epic fail of history, besides Hitler. But first, I want to apologize for our extended hiatus. I was looking at it, and the last episode I released was back in February, which it's September now. I wasn't expecting that to go on as long as it did, but life found a way. (laughs) Well, when we went season long, we thought BBC, you know, they record three episodes and they never record another thing again. Right. That's how that works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but hey, the, the important thing is we're back. Right. We're getting this bracket up and rolling. Uh, we've got I've got new articles in the works on the site and plenty of podcasts. So, um, yeah, should be good. Should be fun. Hopefully. Probably. Glad to have you back, Eric. How have things been on your end? Good. I've just been sitting here with my headphones on since February. It's it's been been a long time, man. <laughs> no, it just uh, everything's been crazy. Uh, I, I I miss you guys over at Podcasters Assemble. I haven't been on for the past two seasons, um, but look, looking to jump back in uh, in 2023 when we guys launch the next season. That's gonna be fun. Uh, other than that, just uh, normal life stuff. Happy wife, happy life, happy everything. Travel. That's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, man. Have you been anywhere cool lately? Uh, I've been in a couple places this year. Yeah, did some places with history. Did Charleston. Got to see some pirate ship stuff. Uh, oh, nice. Go, I'm, I'm going back again to, to Boston next week. So that's going to be fun. Oh, next Boston's week for uh, awesome. for the crew being mid-September. So just, just a heads up. You know, you guys are uh, trying to figure out when we record these things. We actually didn't record this in February. We are, are recording it in September. <laughs> <laughs> so i figured we'd start with uh going over the bracket results we have so far from uh last year challenge.com c-h-a-l-l-o-n-g-e.com forward slash epic fails epic with a k we started this bracket last year like we said and we'll have the links in the show notes and all that uh we'll we'll post updates on social media but uh these are the results we have so far right. Previously on the bracket of fails, we had Brutus versus Benedict Arnold. Uh, Brutus came out on top. Uh, we then had J. Bruce Ismay versus Gavrilo Princip. Princip won that one. Louis XVI of France beat Cleopatra. Caligula beat Nero. Steve Bonnet, the gentleman pirate, beat Eric Bloodaxe, the Viking. And Xerxes overcame Ramses II. Ramses II never had a uh, a movie, so that's why. <laughs> what, what were your thoughts on these initial ones? And did you get any of these right as far as your predictions? Uh, I am now uh, right for four of them. Um, so I'm, okay. I'm currently in sharing fourth, first place with someone right now. Uh, I was surprised that uh, Benedict Arnold didn't win against Brutus. Brutus actually stopped a bad guy, and Benedict Arnold was a bad guy. Um, I also That's had Caligula. But yeah. yeah, I said I had Caligula because I thought he was worthless, but Nero did technically do worse. Uh, so I, I, I lost because I had Nero as the winner. So go figure. Yeah, same. I won with Luis. I won with the uh, starter of World War One. I. I got Gentleman Pirate because hell yeah, Assassin's Creed. And I got <laughs> Xerxes because of 300. Uh, other than that, I'm really looking forward to the next next few rounds as we're going through uh, for the first stage of this challenge. It's it's, it's yeah. 
it's going to be really, really hard as you get towards the end, because I will say, you, you pick some good a-holes, but some of the people are not going to be as well-known. Right. It should be pretty interesting going forward. For this initial round, I tried to group terrible people that were kind of in a similar category, uh, but going forward, it's going to be pure chaos, so it should be fun to see what happens there. Um, the only ones I got uh, right as far as um, people's votes, Louis the Sixteenth and Steve Bonnet. Wow. The, the person who came up with the actual challenge can't win it so far. Look at that, folks. <laughs> totally, it's not rigged. Yeah, no, that's proof that it's totally in the hands of Twitter, uh, which may have been a terrible idea in itself. I'm going to need you to uh, to pull out, uh, you know, like uh, two more votes, two more votes for me. Can you pull out two more votes? <laughs> Sorry, I had just derail it with the, like, the Trump impersonation. But yes, I, I picked Steed Bonnet over Eric Bloodaxe because, you know, as as horrible as Eric Bloodaxe was, I mean, look at his name, Eric Bloodaxe. Like, sounds like a pretty awful dude. But as far as Vikings go, like he was good at being a Viking, whereas Steve Bonnet was just terrible at being a pirate. So I feel like that kind of edged him out. When it came to Xerxes versus Ramses, what were your thoughts there? I thought that Ramses was undervalued. I picked Xerxes and I won. Uh, I did think Ramses was a good choice. Ramses II. Let's let's start with that. A good he choice was, is in a bad. Is, is a, he was choice? a terrible person. No, no, he was a <laughs> yes. terrible person. Uh, I just I don't think he had the the name branding that Xerxes did because everyone has seen three hundred and not that many people know of Ramses II except in passing. I mean, we're not talking about the Rosetta Stone here. Like people don't know all of the the leaders of ancient Egypt. I mean, oh, fun stuff today. I think someone someone posted in I think our Discord. Uh, about like they had ancient ar- artifact people in in Egypt, like looking up old artifacts. I'm like, wait, what the hell? You guys are three thousand years before us. How's this work? So yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> so so the thing about Ramses is, I mean, as far as pharaohs go, he's probably the most famous Egyptian pharaoh. This I guy... debate that. I debate that with you. Really, Tutankhamun, I think is the oh, most okay. Famous fair enough. Tutankhamun yeah. is very well known. King Tut, everyone knows about him. But I feel like there's more details known about Ramses, whereas, I mean, King Tut, it's kind of a tragic story because he was a kid, basically. He was, you know, but obviously, yeah, King Tut has the name recognition going for him. The thing with Ramses, though, is this guy loved making statues of himself because there's so many statues throughout Egypt of this with this guy's face. There's even like these famous statues where there's two statues of himself sitting side by side. Like this guy had an out of control ego. But the thing that a lot of people don't realize is what he's known for. Like, you know, because he was known as like a great leader, according to the Egyptians and stuff. But it turns out that a lot of that was propaganda. Like a lot of that was completely made up. He basically claimed to have won battles that he lost. But because you know, back then, no one could really fact check. They just kind of rolled with it, you know, like his own people believed him or bought into the, you know, they drank the Kool-Aid. But it turns out, according to historians, that like he was kind of a loser (laughs) when it came to, you know, fighting other battles and whatnot. Yeah. Citation needed. Also, some of those statues are believed to have been starting as a different statue, but he took it over and it's his statue now. So that's why you have disparate artists and it's a different style for a lot of different things because they were not intended to be Ramses at all. They were just it's just a random guy or an old god or you know the the king three weeks ago or it's they were not intended to be Ramses II, but suddenly there's Ramses II's face on the damn thing with this stupid little beard. 
So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, Ramsey sucks. Xerxes also sucked, but it's it's kind of weird because you get two sides of the story you got the greek side and the persian side and a lot of the persians thought he was pretty great and of course there's the whole battle of thermopylae which he's known for being the villain but what a lot of people don't realize is that right after that he got his ass kicked by the combination of like pretty much all the greek city states teaming up against him yeah everyone he won three he won the battle of thermopylae oh yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say if you wanted an actual equal challenge i think you could have put darius his father. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And because I think Ramses and Darius were on the same wavelength. Darius is the one that whipped the water, right? This is some weird shit. Like, he, 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 he. so I'm saying, <laughs> I like, think that was Xerxes. The, was it Xerxes? Mm. Uh, I don't I'm know. Saying, They're really I'm close saying, together. I, I get them I'm mixed saying, up. Darius also has that, like, I did well, but I'm not, like, perfect. And then it's all propaganda. So I think yeah. that would have been a better matchup, but I think you would have been, you would have lost the audience on that. You would have been like, hey, uh, here's a reading. Uh, challenge that you also have to figure out who the hell these people are. <laughs> also, another uh, point in Ramsey's corner, he was villainized by the Bible. So, you know, you can't get much worse than that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those are the results so far. And we're going to go ahead and jump into our upcoming matches going forward. Right. Coming soon on the bracket of fails King John versus Henry VIII and Franklin Pierce versus Andrew Johnson. So we got two of the most controversial English kings in medieval history and two of arguably the worst presidents in American history. King John I is the reason the Magna Carta had to be written. He sucks so bad that the people forced him to sign a document that established the people's basic human rights and established that even kings weren't above the law. He's also depicted as the villain in most versions of Robin Hood. He was seen as ineffectual compared to his brother Richard the Lionheart, who was a hero of the Crusades. And then we've got Henry VIII. We all know he was a total douche. <laughs> I mean, he's he went through six wives, uh, one who died, two were divorced, and then the other two were beheaded. To me, as bad as Henry was, King John was a lot worse, though. So, I agree with you. I think King John was the more ineffectual king. I think Henry VIII never had to struggle as a ruler himself. He pretty much had everything he wanted, and the only reason his reign was terrible is because he spent money like it was water. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had everything uh, handed to him, you know? Yeah. King John made decisions to be a terrible, terrible king and a terrible, terrible person. He lost battles. He, he never really he gave them up. He, he would just fight, even though he was on the losing side every single time. Yeah. However, I do have Henry VIII as the winner of this bracket because I think he's the more recognizable name. I'm playing to the people here. I think people are going to only remember King John from uh, Robin Hood and specifically the Disney Robin Hood. And I think that's, <laughs> that's all you're going to get out of it. Um I, I just I just don't think he's I think Henry VIII is a more recognizable name and everyone remembers like, oh, he was a terrible person with eight wives. Didn't he execute them all? Yeah. King John was a more terrible person, but Henry VIII is going to win this one. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, people the people didn't respect King John. They you know, I think they still referred to him as Prince John, even after he was already crowned king. And there was the whole thing about the crown didn't even fit his head and all that. Um, but like 
he went into being a king with with bad PR, but he made it even worse. Like he doubled down on the shittiness. Like he outlawed hunting in the forest, which is how people ate back then. You know, <laughs> he's like, well, this hey, is the king's forest. Yeah. You know, <laughs> in all fairness, he was already going through a war of territories and it wasn't even the poaching that was really throwing it off because there was always enough deer. I mean, back in the day, England used to be covered completely by trees. The problem is he had gone through so many attacks against the empire. He lost yeah. battles to the French. He lost battles to so many people, uh, internal struggles, internal civil wars, not really wars, but more battles. So the reasoning for the shutting down the forest was more of a, if people are moving in there, they could be moving against me. It mm. really wasn't about the poaching, but it's kind of like cutting your nose off to spite your face. Like you're saying, hey, nobody's allowed in this forest. The problem is people have been hunting there for their entire lives and their dad's lives and their dad's dad's lives and their dad, dad, dad's lives. Like <laughs> you can't take away everyone always you – know, they always think of peasants like you know they're struggling meal to meal. They, they actually technically had better working hours than some people who are unionized nowadays. That's but true. Yeah. <laughs> food was always That's all how you look at it. You ate a lot of grains. You didn't have a lot of meat. You would, you know, you, everyone's like, oh, they were always drunk all the time because of the beer. No, the beer was just boiled water. That's, I mean, you weren't. <laughs> yeah. Probably tasted like shit. Yeah. But in general, like they had strong, strong, hard lives. And the only meat you got, if unless you were rich, was getting gear that you caught or killing a chicken or have some eggs. It, it was not a, oh, we have meat on Sundays. No, you had meat once a month if you were happy. So yeah. if, you, if you were, and they would make that gear, stuff last. Yeah. So like soups corn, and whatnot. Corning, soups, all sorts of things to make these things last. So killing a deer was something to keep your, keep your family alive. And if you cut off the only access pretty much for a lot of people of meat, you're going to piss off a lot of freaking people. Because also these are the people working your fields and farms. There's still people who like got their duchies and ran this by rents. And yeah, maybe some people weren't slaves, but they're paying their rent with food. And you cut the food off, you cut the people off. So, yeah, he was a terrible, terrible king. And there's a reason that they used him as the bad guy in Robin Hood because he was terrible to begin with. And they're like, oh, we can just attach his name to it, even though Robin Hood was years <laughs> after this happened. That's what I'm saying. I, th I do think he was more terrible than Henry. There's contemporary things to saying he was a terrible king. Again, he had lost a lot of wars. He lost Normandy. He lost a lot of battles. He, yeah. he was not a good campaign manager. He was also not bred to be. So, like, he inherited this... And they said, oh, we're going to go to battle and capture this land back. You know, my grandpappy lost. Yeah, well, yeah, lost, gone. Adios. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even marry into, I mean, he married an Isabella. That Isabella was not from Spain. Just throwing it out there, people. Um, mm. he, he, he did not even marry into planning. Oh, yeah, he had two wives, by the way. He did not marry into cutting the wars off. It was, he was just a terrible general and a terrible leader in battle. Um, I will say he did go into battle, but he did not lose in battle like the way you think he he was just bad he was a bad yeah, leader without a doubt uh let's go ahead and move over to presidents i wish you would i almost wish you had picked uh buchanan so we could have had what, 15 and 17 instead of 14 and 17 that would have been better <laughs> <laughs> this was tough um to kind of narrow down there's actually another president on the list later on but uh yeah yeah buchanan buchanan's pretty terrible but he almost doesn't count because he didn't really do much in office <laughs> no I, the fact that he even showed up to his job i was surprised yeah um uh, the reason i picked these two guys is because they actively did things to make things worse so real quick President Pierce was awful. He's one of the presidents who laid the groundwork for the Civil War by attempting to appease the South. He thought the abolitionist movement would destroy the country, and he even sided with the Confederacy after his presidency. 
He's basically a traitor, you know? Then you got President Andrew Johnson. Now, I spoke about this before back on, I want to say, episode 17. But he was the guy that took over after Lincoln's assassination. And he's also the biggest reason why Reconstruction was such a massive failure following the Civil War. He was a Southern sympathizer like Pierce, uh, who basically allowed the Southern states to legalize segregation uh, and was impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors, but got off scot-free because of one vote. So (laughs) I have Andrew Johnson to win, but let me speak to Pierce first. Sure. Pierce was not only ineffectual, he actively contributed to the solid fall uh, of the United States empire at the time. Um, Don't forget, we were basically all Eastern seaboard with California. It was the weirdest layout of states that you possibly could think of. Um, The electoral vote, we all went in his favor because he was like, yeah, we're going to keep segregation. We're going to keep the country together the exact way it is. Meanwhile, it's going to hell in a handbasket. We have literal states already infighting. We have small little border wars between states trying to prevent slavery, escape, all sorts of stuff. He did not give a crap. He's like, I am on the side of pro-slavery and we're going to run this thing into the ground. Yeah. Buchanan showed up and says, uh, I, I don't need no, no. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm done. Uh, so, but Franklin Pierce literally contributed to that. Now, Andrew Johnson, I picked to win for the sole reason is that after the civil war, everyone had already spoken up. We had won on the side of righteousness and he's like, yeah, I'm not dealing with that shit. Uh, he basically made the South rise again in the laws and structures he generated. Um, he made sure that everything that Lincoln did good for the states was completely written away with a uh, congressional act. He actively erased everything that Lincoln did with acts of Congress. He, he worked with oh, them yeah. to make sure that everything that we had fought for and contributed to, every, you know, the, the elimination of slavery and all that, he's like, yeah, we're still going to have slaves. We'll just call it something different. Uh, I mean, even that the fact that the amendments to the Constitution passed – Yep. did not bother him. He did not give a flying crap about it. And the fact yeah. that we, it took it took a solid drunk to come in afterwards and fix everything he did. And even then, he only just barely kept the country together. And I'm talking about Grant. Grant worked his ass off to keep another war from That's happening right. within 20 years of the freaking end of the Civil War. Like, it's, it's exactly. crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, both of these guys are pretty terrible. At least with Pierce, he was attempting to avoid a war. But yeah, his heart was not in the right place with this. Uh, he was definitely on the yeah, wrong side of Avoiding the war by appeasing to the loudest people. This is exactly... Yeah. What, what happened with, with the, the Trump situation going on? I'm like, hey, if, if you stop uh, imprisoning these people, maybe they'll stop rioting. I'm like, uh, that doesn't work that way. You're breaking the law. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally agree here. I think I think Andrew Johnson's definitely like one of the worst of the worst just because of the ramifications of his actions. Like they echoed, you know, for like 100 years, you know. It wasn't until uh, MLK and the civil rights movement that a lot of those changes really started to take place. You know, Uh, African-Americans, especially in the South, were seen as second class citizens uh, because of what Andrew Johnson allowed to happen. And it's it's really pretty terrible. I personally think we've had some worse presidents as in they didn't do their job. But one of them died after, what, 28 days in office after eating some uh (laughs) So, after getting the flu, he he, and, he got I, pneumonia. I, yeah, uh, yeah, and another one Harrison, died after no, uh, drinking milk and uh, eating some cherries. So like, <laughs> we've right. had some people who are terrible <laughs> at their jobs, but like, yeah. no one is actively trying to ruin the country like Andrew Johnson did. Right. Totally agree. Totally agree. Brackets of things. So keep an eye on social media for those, uh, so you can vote. I guess. 
<laughs> yes, please vote. Um, most of these are going to be launched on the Epic Fails of History Twitter account. Um, yep. They will also be listed on the Epic Fails of History Facebook. Although right. recently there's been some issues posting some things. Just keep an eye out for the for the posts. And, and Eric's going to be listing these and then following up every single day they're live. So vote, yep. vote, I'll, vote. I'll do my best. <laughs> Set up some fake accounts. Vote more than once. I need to set up some bot accounts so I can win. So... <laughs> So yeah, head on over to Twitter at epicfails.com uh, and you can follow along at challenge.com slash epicfails and keep an eye out for our upcoming polls on social media. We've got plenty of upcoming matches that we'll be discussing over the next few episodes as well, including Vlad the Impaler, Ivan the Terrible, Leopold II, Stalin, Alexander the Great, Shinzi Wong, Hernan Cortez, Francisco Pizarro, Napoleon, Genghis Khan, Andrew Jackson, Pope Urban II, Christopher Columbus, Guy Fox, the Holy Roman Emperor Joseph II, and last and possibly least, Ethelred the Unready. Epic Wins of History! This week's winner for the Epic Win of History is Doris Miller. He was an African-American cook who manned the guns of the USS West Virginia during the attack on Pearl Harbor during World War II. Miller served during a time when African Americans had very limited opportunities in the armed services, hence Cook. On December 7, 1941, Japanese fighter planes attacked the Hawaiian naval base in the early hours of that Sunday morning. Miller was serving aboard the battleship USS West Virginia when the alarms were sounded of the impending attack. Explosions rang out across the harbor. Torpedoes tore through the ship. Doris helped save the ship's injured captain before he took charge of a 50 caliber machine gun and began firing back at the Japanese planes to defend the crew, saving dozens of lives in the process. Once he ran out of ammo, he immediately began helping his injured crewmen evacuate the sinking ship and help them to safety. His act of valor in the face of a crisis earned him the Navy Cross. He was the first African-American awarded the honor. He returned to service after receiving his award and was later killed in the Pacific in 1943 in the line of duty when his ship was struck by a torpedo. You've got hate mail. Today's listener feedback comes from Trooper CSA in response to my article on Custard's Last Stand. He says, You put forth quite a biased view here. Lieutenant Colonel Custard wasn't in overall command, nor did he make policy. Faulting a man doing his job as he knew how to do it is a little chicken shit. I don't even like George Custer, but to paint him as some coward who chose to make war on women and children is not fair, and to smear a person because they lost an engagement is ridiculous. While I may have been a little harsh on Custer and his decisions, I do feel like, given the context of the situation, uh, it's rather warranted. Maybe I am a little biased here in, you know, not taking Custer's side of the situation, but... Even from a strategic standpoint, what he did was idiotic. That said, not really surprised uh, to see someone who goes by the name of Trooper CSA standing up for a douchebag like Custer. And for those who don't know, CSA is short for the Confederate States of America. So I'm going to go ahead and take this criticism with a very, very tiny grain of salt. And while we're on the subject, let's talk about Confederate monuments. Since this keeps coming up in the news, and people seem to be outraged about people rightfully dismantling these statues, glorifying, you know, traitors to our nation, 
As someone who studied history with the books and podcasts to back me up, I cringe every time I see one of these. Most Confederate monuments were actually erected in the 1920s and 50s as a racist statement to protest the growing civil rights movement at the time, and were literally founded by, drumroll please, the Daughters of the Confederacy. The excuse always seems to be that they're destroying our history. Um, statues are not history. They're propaganda. If you want to learn about the past, maybe stop banning history books. Because the truth is important. While yes, the past is sometimes uncomfortable, it's important to learn those lessons so that we don't continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. Maybe if people actually knew their history, this wouldn't even be up for debate. It's one thing to preserve these statues as relics of the past, but it's a whole nother message to prominently place them on a pedestal. Honestly, I think what Germany has done in recent years is something we should consider here in the States. Following World War II, the German people outlawed swastikas, and they actually teach their kids about the horrors that the Nazi ideology wrought on their people and the rest of the world. There are plaques all over Berlin with reminders of all the Jewish families that were taken away during the Holocaust. So maybe we should consider doing the same here, to remind people of all the horrors of slavery and the genocides committed against the Native American tribes who once called this land their home. And for some more positive feedback, we recently got a five-star review on iTunes from Neatcast J, who says, A marriage of information and entertainment. You thought you failed before? Not compared to some of the moments in history covered in this show. Eric and Chris cover a myriad of topics and really dive deep while keeping you engaged. Speaking of the Neatcast, I've actually guested on their show a few times over the past few months, talking about UAPs, Sasquatch government conspiracies and other cryptid nonsense so uh, if you're interested in that definitely check out their show it's a lot of fun and if you have any questions comments corrections or even hate mail feel free to message me on social media before we go i also want to let you guys know that i finally got a new book coming out this one is really near and dear to my heart it's my first official attempt at science fiction and it's very different from the epic fails books spoilers this one's not for kids it's a novella-length sci-fi noir called 2299. It's basically a futuristic pulp detective story in space, which should hopefully be dropping later this month on Amazon and Audible, if everything goes according to plan. So keep an eye out for that. I actually wrote this one during the pandemic, so I'm really nervous and excited to finally release it out into the aether. In fact, right before recording this, I was just finishing up editing the audiobook version. Long story short, between spinning a dozen plates and a severe case of ADHD, it took me a little bit longer to circle back around to this podcast than I intended. So thank you all for your patience, but rest assured, we've got a lot of new episodes in the works, and even a few new blog articles, including a really fun piece I recently wrote up on D.B. Cooper, link in the show notes. We've got a lot of great content in the works over the next several months as we continue our bracket of fails, along with many more epic wins of history, and even more special guests to talk about a myriad of spectacular failures and what we should learn about them. And next time I'll be joined once again by Corey Torgeson of The World's My Burrito to talk about the Mongol invasions of Japan, a topic we've been wanting to talk about since I first started this podcast. Until then, stay tuned for more Epic Fails of history.
Thank you for listening to Epic Fails of History. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. You can follow me on social media at Eric Slater. Eric with a K, Slater with a D. And be sure to check out our other great shows from the Probably Work Network, like Too Young for This Trek, Comic Zombie, and Podcasters Assemble. Music and jingles produced by Deft Stroke Sound. This episode was edited by Eric Slater. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Probably